Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. Today, I bring on David Lupberger. David and I have known each other for many years now, and we're actually in a group together where we meet up with about eight or nine other folks that are working hard to serve the remodeling building space, basically residential construction. And I wanted to bring David on today because right now people are still super busy and he has been doing a deep dive into a very important topic the last several years and helping a lot of construction companies think about how they can exit their business or really answering the question, do they want to exit or should it just look differently? And so you'll hear us talk about that in today's conversation. So very excited to bring him on. He has a wealth of knowledge. And in this episode, there, there are going to be a few key moments where he asks a question or points out something that will make you pause and go, I should really work on that, or I should really think about that. And I had a couple of moments like that for myself as well. So I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you will as well. So let's dive right in. Hey, David, good to see you again. Hey, good morning. How are you, Spencer? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Good, good. Well, hey, let's let's kick things off. What, do you, what are you seeing in the market right now? It's been an interesting last 12 months. <laughs> I get notes regularly from the contractors I work with, all these rumors of recession. But all I can tell you is, and I'm working with you know 20-some contractors around the country, every single one is booked into 2023. Mm-hmm. Every single one. So what I'm seeing is it may soften. And I've had a couple of contractors say, wouldn't it be great to go back to the good old days when we could actually get materials when <laughs> actually contractors, the subcontractors would be available. So I don't see the softening as a bad thing. So I see it maybe slowing down a little bit. I think a company really focusing on what they do best, maybe some diversification, but man, customer service. As you look at remodeling, if we focus on remodeling, people have huge amounts of equity in their homes. And if you're not moving, and we're looking at a kitchen remodel ourselves. And again, the cabinets, if we ordered now, would arrive in December. Okay? Yeah. But we're looking at this and saying, you know, that's fine. So if it didn't happen until, you know, the first quarter of 2023, Maybe labor's a little bit more available. I'm seeing some some flashing lights, but I'm not seeing you know a warning. I'm just saying, just be aware. It'll soften, but the, the demand is still very, very strong. Yeah, I think that's a really good assessment. I was doing the same thing with some of our clients, and it really brought up the concept of recency bias because we've been hearing the last three, four months everyone's saying, well, leads are slowing down. Leads are like, and so that raises the alarm bells, right? And I said, well, are they slowing down compared to six months ago when it was bananas or are they slowing down to two years ago? You know, I said, I encourage you to look at some past two years annual data. And then when they went and checked, 
was like, oh, well, we're still above 2019 and some of 2020. And then when it got really crazy, of of course, like you're not going to be experiencing that forever. So I think to your point, hey, things are softening, but there's still a lot of work. There's still a lot of demand. There's some positive forces at play too with equity and, you know, people having seen that rise and maybe investable assets or savings and that sort of thing. So it's, you know, historically real estate goes up in value. And I've had people saying, well, people are going to wait and keep the money in their bank account at 1% a year, you know, whatever the interest rate is. It's like, look, you know, I'm just going to say, invest in your home, enjoy the improvements. It will go up in value. It is a good investment. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody has a crystal ball, so we'll see how it yeah. plays out. But I think those are some good indicators and, and things that you you brought up. I know you've been spending the last, what is it, year or two years kind of really focused on helping contractors, modelers focus on getting their businesses like tuned up to exit. Yeah. When did you make that shift? Well, as you can see, I've lost some hair. <laughs> and the irony was probably three years ago, just pre-COVID, I do a lot of industry programs. And what struck me is half the room had either white hair or no hair. Mm. And we have an aging you know, contractor population. And I was one of them. You know, I was just on you know, the training side. And as I entered my own evaluation of you know, what does the next chapter look like, it was an engaging conversation. And then I took a program and became a certified exit planning advisor and went through, you know, really evaluating every step in the process. And there's an interesting survey they did. And it's something like, and I could dig this up if people are interested. It's something like 78% of business owners that sold their business. One year later, they regretted the decision. Hmm. And so what we come back to is, you know, this business is your passion. It's been your life. It's been your focus, total engagement, creativity, relationships, not only with clients, but with employees, with trade contractors, with vendors. There's a vitality there. And so the irony of all this is of the people I'm working with, only one has wanted to leave. And every other owner basically said, I don't want to not work, but I would love to step back from some of the day-to-day demands, from some of the day-to-day activities. And so it's really refocusing and then beginning to delegate effectively to people because really the next chapter, and I'm doing it myself, you know, I can work three days a week. Perfect. That's retirement. And the reality is, I I might have told you in the past, I hit hip replacement about four months ago. Mm -hmm. So for 10 days, you know, I, I, well, for actually three weeks, I couldn't drive. But for 10 days, I was putting ice on it, you know, three times a day, homebound. My wife had to take me everywhere and I wasn't working. And the irony of all this, I was bored to tears. Yeah. I mean, I was watching motorcycle videos, you know, on my phone. I mean, you're talking about filling activity and it's like, wait a minute, I like what I do. And so I've seen a very similar conversation with the business owners, which is I like a lot of what I do. They're good at what they do. They build relationship. They can present the company well. They put together, I mean, they've really built a machine that's generated goodwill. And it's like, how do we transition? So I think you might, and, and 
some of the people we work with that pointed out, take out exit, you know, just put transition. Mm-hmm. How do you transition in your business? Yeah. And that has really been the kind of the, the insight that I've gotten here over the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I, I love it. I feel like we need more of this discussion. I'll go on kind of a personal journey here for a couple of minutes, yeah. but I, I got out of college. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and started just like pouring into all the like investing and financial freedom and, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm still on my journey of figuring it all out. But really in the last like couple of years, what I've come to is exactly what you're describing, which is like, why do you want to work really, really, really hard for like 30, 40 or whatever it is, and then do nothing? Like, why is the goal do nothing? Why has that always been the goal? Like the goal, like what you described, working two or three days, three days a week, you know, something like that. It gives you purpose. It keeps your mind active. Like you probably really enjoy a lot of parts of it, but maybe you just don't want to be doing it all the time. What you really want is flexibility, not to do nothing, you know? And so (laughs) what you're saying is really resonating powerfully with me because it's like, Hey, can you just kind of adjust your business to give you more flexibility? And then you can still get all the purpose, the meaning, the connection, the you know, forward progress. Like I think as humans, we like building and working on, you know, so you, then you retain all those things. <laughs> you know, it's simple engagement. And the reality is I like working with contractors, mm-hmm. honest, hardworking, unpretentious. They're going to do the right thing. And sometimes they go too far and they put their clients needs in front of their own. So part of this conversation is really identifying the personal values and making those personal values, you know, it's already being expressed in their business, but really clarifying that then with key employees and boy, communicating that to clients, you'll never want for work. I mean, yeah. it's just, there, there's so much work. And like I said, there's an aging population. And if we can look out five years from now, even 10 years from now, they're going to be less general contractors or at least skilled, you know, experienced general contractors. And maybe we say the same thing about plumbers, electricians, drywall hangers. There's, we're going to have to create some kind of efficiency because the skill set, there are less master craftsmen than there were 10 years ago. There'll be less 10 years from now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So do you think that everyone should be building to transition or exit, you know, we can use either, either term, but should everybody be building that way? Or are there some people that, that shouldn't? It's such a great question. And a book, the E-Myth that everybody's from, I think most people are familiar with by Michael Gerber. And he talks about the power of systems. And I heard him do an interview once and somebody said, you know, what do you see in the most successful companies? And I'll never forget his answer was they started the company with the end in mind. And boy, that resonated. So I'd say to every business owner, begin to think about what does the future look like? And everybody's working so hard right now. So start now because this handoff, this transition, it takes years, you know, for an owner to truly begin delegating effectively. And so I mentioned to you, I've got something called an owner centricity quiz. And it allows an owner to look at all the elements of the business they're involved with. And then I step back and with a business owner, then we review, what are you doing? 
What do you like doing? Now let's come back to the reason you started the business. What passion did you fulfill? What was it that drove you to do this and put all this time? So let's focus on this. That's where the passion is. And then these other elements that every small business owner takes over because they have to be done. Let's begin delegating some of these things to key people. And it's just, you lighten the load emotionally, you know, of beginning to see a future where I can do what I do best, what I enjoy. And you said you're giving yourself a freedom, you know, and independence while still building a business, having an income stream, and then rewarding key people in the company, you know, empowering them to continue to grow the company and be rewarded for it. And I'm going to add one small item here if I can. That as you look at building contractors, people in construction, it's a very unique skill set because I'm going to say 5% of the population can do what they do Hmm. because they live with risk and they must sell to pay their, not only their own mortgage, but to pay key employees. They live with the uncertainty of the economy. It can change and will change on a regular basis. And living with risk, I think 95% of the population doesn't like. But that other 95% would love to work with a strong company, would love to work with a company that reflects those same core values, allows key employees to do what they do best. And so there's a wonderful synergy that can take place by building a, a company where people can grow and be rewarded. And then as an owner, you know, building that legacy. And the irony, here's one more irony I discovered. Half of the owners that I'm working with, they have, you know, built a business and and economically supported themselves. And when they look at this transition, it's not to leave. It's not even to sell. They're building the legacy to take care of of their employees. Mm, Yeah. And it's not a financial need. It really is. I want to reward employees. I want to make sure the past clients are taken care of. So there's a wonderful kind of emotional commitment that's involved in all this. And then, you know, what a wonderful thing to see. That's cool. Yeah, I really like that. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. You mentioned that the transition can take years what do you think is a realistic range of somebody sitting here listening to this today and they're going, okay, 
I haven't necessarily planned out my transition or exit or whatever that looks like, but now I'm going to start thinking about it. What's kind of the the fastest you could do it and, you know, maybe a reasonable range to expect that it will take to put things in place and build the systems and train the people. Great question. I tell people if we first began talking three to five years. Yeah. Three to five years. If you've got pedal to the metal, <laughs> yeah. but you know, and guess what? Things change. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's no different from a building a design. So you agree on a design with a homeowner and then the construction starts and it's like, well, let's make a change. And so the same thing happens. So minimum three years. Yeah. But it could easily be five to seven. That makes sense. It, it's transitional, which means you're going to be making tweaks. I've had owners that when giving responsibility to key people, they found it wasn't a good fit. All right, so I've incorporated some employee assessments now that these are online assessments that really help identify people's strengths and weaknesses. And are we putting a person in a position where they can succeed? Yeah, yeah. Is there, I guess, a certain size company that you have to be to actually pull off, you know, a transition to where you're maybe working two days a week or something like that? I mean, is there kind of a minimum threshold or is that irrelevant? Well, you're certainly not going to do it with a really a mom and pop operation. I would think minimum, God, minimum three employees, if not five, there has to be, you know, some income to support this because as an owner steps back, you may be rewarding existing employees or adding new employees. Yeah. So there's an overhead you know, concern here. So gosh, I might say minimum three, better five, minimum sales, probably around 2 million a year. Yeah. Because you have some workability, a little bit easier as the company gets larger, a few more options in regards to employees, putting them in the key place. And there's also another tool I have called the management succession worksheet. And it basically identifies, once we look at things that you can hand off, who's it being handed off to? Mm -hmm. And once we look at that, then we can prioritize. And and part of this is simply take a big task and just break it down into manageable parts. And in all honesty, I try to tell people, let's just do this in 90-day increments. Don't think about three years from now. (laughs) Don't think about next year. Things change. But what can we do over the next 90 days? Implement. I mean, really, what one or two tasks can be delegated in the next 90 days? How do we document those tasks? What's the the training look like? Who is the person? Are they aware? And how do we create these collaborative conversations? And so once you've done it with the first two or three people, then you begin to see, okay, I get it. And now you can begin to expand that, that process because yeah. you've done it. And now we're just building on an existing process. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Cause three, the three to five year journey can feel like super big and overwhelming and you go, yeah, I'll never get there. So just one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. Do you find there are certain parts of the business that either are harder to take that delegation step or just seem to be common roadblocks for owners where it's just for whatever reason there are certain parts of the business like oh yeah those are easier to delegate and then there's always these last couple that are more challenging for whatever reason 
you know, I, I like to take contractors. Accounting is kind of a moving target. And if they aren't working with a construction-based accounting firm, meaning a meaningful chart of accounts, and, you know, the numbers don't lie. So I look at truly, let's evaluate your accounting. And I can recommend somebody who does this that I've referred 20 times who does an evaluation because we then want to introduce some metrics, which is as you begin handing off and measuring sales, putting together the estimate, moving into production, do you have real-time numbers? And having those numbers that can be shared to the degree as needed with key employees. So part of this to me is what's the scorecard? And what are the metrics that then as we begin doing this, we can create the metrics to measure. So I think to me, accounting is really making sure that you're getting real-time numbers that are meaningful. And then the rest, honestly, in the office, the admin portion, production portion, let's document a process that works, improve it, and working with the person you're delegating to. And it's a collaborative partnership. What's working? So I, again, that 90-day format is not only to say, here's what I, I see you doing, but I always say 90 days from now, because the person's not doing all of it now. 90 days from now, what would you like to see them be responsible for? Hmm. So now the partner, the employee, knows what they're focusing on. And it may just be two or three additional primary functions, primary tasks. And then 90 days from now, let's look back at the, the overall position description. Can we add two or three more? And that's where you can then introduce that momentum in a, in a manageable way. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense, especially just hearing you break it down like that. I mean, even if you just said, Hey, each kind of core role or function within the business is going to take me a year and I'm going to do it in 90 day chunks and just keep releasing and training and releasing and training. And then, and then yeah, five or seven years later, you know, you've got five or seven core areas of the business nailed down. So you got it. That's um, it. Yeah. No, I, I like that. What do you think holds people back from starting to go down this path and thinking this way? It's a great question. They don't know where to start. And in the public, and I'm starting to do now the, the public presentations again, and I'll ask, you know, what are you going to do when you transition out of your business? And there's like a 30-second silence. <laughs> and the reality is I'm too busy. I'm not thinking about that. Or the inevitable answer, I'm not exiting. And the reality is, yeah, you are. Yeah, right? well, just depends on what it'll look like, right? <laughs> just depends. And, and there's a real interesting element to this. You know, one is we can plan the exit. But guess what? What if it doesn't go according to plan? And there's an accident. There's an illness. And not only just for the owner, but, you know, the owner's family. Key employees. And so part of this planning is a, a contingent, a business contingency plan, which is what are the key elements of the business? And are you creating some degree of redundancy that if something happened to you as the owner, something happened to the office manager, the production manager, do you have a fallback? And the fallback is, does the fallback person understand the functions of the person they may be working for or replacing? Are there elements of an understanding? 
And all this, and another little side story, pre-9-11, I got to take a tour of a nuclear submarine in Norfolk, Virginia. Private tour. There were That's just four cool. of us. So we're on the SS Idaho. It was just being commissioned. And the guy walks us through the, the submarine. We come to the library. And it's 40 feet long. And there's just standard operating procedure manuals. Wow. And the guy said, basically, we've got a, a crew of 110. But he said the submarine can actually be run by 35 people. And what's been built into the operating of the submarine is redundancy. Because he said, if anything happens to one sailor, there's a second that has been cross-trained. They'll step in knowing what has to be done. If something happens to the second sailor, they go to the library and they reach for the appropriate standard operating procedure manual for that particular task. And he said, you know, in the military or in war, we plan for that type of redundancy. And I only bring that up because as I've spoken with owners and I'm saying, do you have a contingency plan? No one I've spoken to has had a contingency plan. Hmm. All right. And I'm just saying, if it goes according to plan, great. But what happens if it doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, and you could look at, business as some form of going to battle and going to war, you know, against the market forces and whatever else, the competition. But yeah, yeah, that's really powerful. I need to, I need to work on some contingency plans myself. So, that's, well, uh, and, that's you know, cool. can I put you on the spot? Go for it. Yeah. Do you have a business contingency plan if something happened to you or someone in your family? I don't. Yeah. And I get that answer every single time. And it's like, I'm too busy. I'm not there yet. And it's like, no, we all are. Yeah. Or you just don't think about it. You know, you don't want it. Well, and I'm going to be much more direct. People don't want to think about it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. There's an accounting part to this, which is what are the key accounts? What are the passwords? I mean, there's that side of, of how does somebody access the information in regards to day-to-day operations? And so like, I have a checklist that somebody can go through and it's seven pages long. And, you know, of really understanding, that was probably a little intimidating, wasn't it? <laughs> That's but all right. It really is, you know, the legal portion, who's the lawyer that could be involved, who's your key accountants, what are the accounts, how do people access the accounts, who's got permission to do that. I mean, that's where we kind of drill down. And when the people have done it, then there is a, gosh, I see the benefit. Yeah. Now, yeah. now I get it. Yeah. And there's probably an element of peace of mind too, once you've got it in place that you maybe didn't realize you would have, but then yeah. then you do have. Yeah, that's good. That's got me thinking. Well, I've got a couple more questions to wrap us yeah. up, but one is just, if somebody was just going to take away one thing that you wanted to leave people with around this topic of transitioning the business, what would you want them to really remember and walk away with? Boy, great question. I'm going to say in a global sense, we are leaving the business. So just think about doing it in an organized fashion and begin. And I can maybe circle back to what Michael Gerber said. Really, even today, start thinking with the end in mind. And what can I do in regards to really, and I come back to work-life balance of really building a business that you're managing the business versus the business managing you. And I'm, I'm sure people relate to that. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And David, if people want to pick up some of that, you mentioned a couple of tools, if they want to find those, is there a good place online or if they just want to connect with you and learn a little bit more about what you're doing here, what's a good way to get in touch? Terrific. So I've got a website. It's contractorexitstrategy.com. And if I were to amend it, it would be contractortransitionstrategy.com. <laughs> and boy, my email address. And you could just use my name, David at davidloopberger.com. But you can find uh, even on the contractor exit strategy, there's an exit assessment, you know, simple little like 15 minute evaluation of where are you in this process. And that's a neat little tool. And if people are more intrigued, you know, I'm happy to share, as I mentioned, the owner centricity quiz. And at the appropriate time, you know, that management succession worksheet, and it just takes a big project and starts breaking it into manageable parts. Cool. Cool. Very good. Final question. And and more broadly speaking, not just related to transitioning or exiting the business, but any just final words of wisdom, piece of advice that you want to leave out there for business owners who are listening to this? I'm looking yeah, for a nice little setup here. So the reality is because I'm in my 60s. You know, I'm going through this process myself. I've got a motorcycle. All right. I'm looking to do some weekend trips. My son and I did 10 days in Alaska, you know, last August on a a ride into the interior. And the neat part of this is this is what we're working for. And, you know, if we granted I'm in my 60s, but, you know, my wife and I looked at each other and said, what are we waiting for? And so the idea of beginning this process. And again, you know, step away from some of those day-to-day demands that really you shouldn't be doing. And looking at that ideal makeup of creating a business that works for you. And, you know, what are the things you might be postponing? Because you need for the same. You'll never look back and say, gosh, I wish I would have worked harder. And, you know, you've got a a one-year-old and three-year-old. You've already been told, Spencer, it goes by fast. Yep, sure does. Do not take that for granted. Enjoy your family, enjoy your kids, create a business model that supports that. You know, we're working hard, so do those things that you enjoy doing. Yeah, and again, it sounds silly, but what are we waiting for? Yeah, good advice. I like it. Good way to end us off here. And yeah, David, thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Thank you for the invite. You can see I love this stuff. And this is where age has been a benefit. I mean, I I'm a former building contractor. We didn't cover that part. But when I speak with people, I understand. Yeah, you've done it. Yeah, I've done it. (laughs) Cool. Thank you, David. Thanks a lot, Spencer. I appreciate it. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with David Lutberger. And again, let's pull out some action items, some takeaways, things you're going to walk away from this conversation and go, go actually do. And so the first one I think is is definitely pop over to his website and take advantage of the the tools that he mentioned. I think those are good next steps. The way he was describing it, some of these things are really big, meaty topics and it can feel overwhelming. And so what he's tried to do is line up some quick action items, things that you can work on in short spurts that will get you closer to the goal. I thought one, it was kind of a, a small but a big takeaway was kind of starting that big list of what if something happened to me like... Are there passwords to all different accounts? Are there like kind of a set of SOPs for if somebody just had to like 
step into the business and go, okay, I need to log into QuickBooks, into the bank accounts, into like, you know, be able to transfer stuff around or get certain information to enable the team to keep moving. But kind of that figuring out what that list looks like and starting to document that. I know that was on my list as a, an action item. I thought that was really good. And then the final, final thing is really the kind of the broad strokes of what we talked about, which is start thinking about the end. What does the end look like? Or where does your desired destination, does the end really look like you transferring the business, selling the business, stepping out of the business? Or does it look like maybe, hey, I, I come in one or two days a week and I have a team that runs operations that's self-sufficient, you know, and I'm and you're more of like a mentor and a, a leader, you know, or do you actually really love it and you'd rather be working, you know, five days a week, but maybe like four, four hours a day, you know, or you know, just what version of that, what's your ideal setup? And then once you know what that is, then you can start chunking off those those little pieces. So I thought that was a great takeaway is just what what does the end look like? It doesn't have to look like everyone says, like retirement can look different. You know, I think the idea of sitting around and doing nothing, is not the answer for everybody. Maybe it's the answer for some people, but if it's not, if it doesn't look like that, what does the perfect scenario look like for you? And that's okay. You know, whatever it is, what sounds perfect to you and then go design it around that. So I'll leave you with that. Again, go check out David's website and download the, the resources. Hopefully you find those helpful. And with that, we'll see you next time here on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.